I know it's been a while since I've had a description or, or something up front, and, and I'd, I'd really like to take the opportunity, just two minutes of your time, to talk about something. If you could please just uh, bear with me, I'll be very quick. Um, so as you know, for the last, well, you might not know, but for the last decade, I've been involved in finance, in the world of finance. So um, I've been a very like corporate-minded person in terms of my business. And since getting into podcasts and always having loved books and audiobooks, I've, I've gotten better at this whole um, audio production thing. And so since then, I've now, I quit my job, my finance job at the end of last year. And I've been trying to get into audiobook narration and production. And it's been going really well. I've been awarded three books. Um, I'm actually right now on the verge of getting a pretty major one, which would be amazing. I can't really talk about it, and I hope it goes well. But I, I produced two already completed. One, third one is almost done. And the first one I ever did is now available on the Audible store. And it's called When the Bard Came Visiting by Catherine Rossati. And it's a beautiful book of short stories that span everything from sci-fi to fantasy to intellectual conversation to wildlife conservation. And it's really a lovely thing and it's well-written. And I really am proud that that was the first book that I got to narrate and produce. But it is available on the Audible store. And if you have an extra credit, if you you have an annual program, or if you just want to support, I would be so grateful if you could go on there and, and um, check it out. So if you go on the Audible app and go to the store or on your web browser and type in When the Bard Came Visiting, you should see it there. It's a gorgeous blue cover with a lovely feather quill on the front. And it should see narrated by Elias Khalil on there. Another major thing is, if you prefer, you could just go down into this... Um, our description, episode description, and I have a link that takes you directly there. If you don't have an Amazon account, just click on that link and you'll be able to set up an Audible account right then and there in order to, to support and purchase the book. If you do, the first one's for free, so it's a pretty good way to do that. Um, and if you do listen to it and you do enjoy it, I would really be grateful if you could take the time to review it on Audible. So for, the, for once more, it's When the Bard Came Visiting by Catherine Rosati, narrated, by yours truly, Elias Khalil. Thank you so much. I'm no. not going to take up any more of your right. time. Right. I'm going to trade you two sheep for that wood. Tell me, honey, does that sound good? Because all I really want to do is take away longest road from you, yeah. Welcome to these tabletop sessions. Welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome to these tabletop sessions. Hello fellow gregarious geeks and gamers. Welcome to the 24th episode of the Tabletop Sessions podcast, where we talk about all things tabletop related that have been occupying the hearts and minds of this international group of gamers over the course of the last three weeks. My name is Elias, and with me this week, it's Jack Bauer, and today is the longest day of his life. But also, it's Dima, Ipo, and Byron. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. Dima here. Rishuna no minasan in Japan. <laughs> which means hello to all our new listeners in Japan. Hi, and I'm Byron. Did you guys get my reference in the beginning? Which reference? Jack Bauer and today's the longest day of his life. No. 
Why no. is it today the last Jack Bauer. The day of his life? Who's Jack Bauer? The 24 hour show what guy. What episode is this? Uh, I didn't watch 24. Is it 24? <laughs> It's episode 24. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Why oh. do I do this podcast? It's like. Oh. I could get hosted. Oh, give a shit. Slick move, okay, baby. Okay, but it, it's very <laughs> clever now that you explained it. <laughs> yeah, but, but Elias, I want to say, Zach Bauer's days are all 24 hours, so I don't know why he's the longest, this one. I mean, Because a lot of things happen, Ipo. Oh. I'm not going to make any spoilers, Met but metaphorical stuff thing. happens in that day. <laughs> What season are we talking about? <laughs> um, so, guys, how have you been? How, how have you been, Ipo? I'm... Uh, in uh, lockdown for the last two and a half months we all are which means that i'm playing a lot of online games and working from home so you're just playing online games because <laughs> <laughs> let's acting face it like you're working from that, home that's what you've been doing at work for the last few years <laughs> to be honest yeah that's my day i mean uh, I'm, doing, <laughs> i'm doing a task and as a gift to myself when I'm completing a task uh, at my work, then I, I can play one turn of my online games. I mean, I work from home and I use BGA less than Ipo uses BGA. When I wasn't working, I used BGA less than Ipo uses BGA. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. And Byron, have you been coping? Well, like everyone during lockdown, I have been doing a lot of cooking. Oh, so that's been fun. W what have you cooked? Uh, I've done a roast chicken. I've done a few other random things. I've made a carrot cake, banana bread. Oh, baking. Have you made yeah. bread like everybody yes. else? Yes, I have, <laughs> but not a good one. You know that uh, <laughs> baking What? bread, uh, they say it's uh, the first symptom of coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. And uh, Dima just finished her first uh, week at a new job. Congratulations, Dima. Well, Yay! round of applause, I think. Is, 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 yeah, bravo, Dima. Yeah. And, yeah. Also, and also, um, it's so funny because she's been working Monday to Friday. And then she messages me. She, she, she comes home on Thursday. She goes, oh, my God, baby, I'm so excited. Do you know it's a long weekend? <laughs> and I'm like, you just started working like four days ago. How could you be in need of a long weekend already? <laughs> it's always the perfect time for a long weekend. Doesn't matter how long you've been working for. Especially if you have a reason to celebrate a long weekend, like the birthday of a dead person. <laughs> Indeed. It is Victoria Day in Canada. And um, I think our neighbors are going to uh, have a party. Yeah, they were testing their fireworks last night. They were night. testing their fireworks. <laughs> I thought there was gunfire out. <laughs> oh. um, well, it is Canada, so. Um, and also, they're the only people in the entire like neighborhood that are as lazy as us and never mow their lawn. And they mowed <laughs> their lawn yesterday. So I was like, yeah. oh, wow. for sure they're having a party. And sure enough, two, three hours later, we hear fireworks. <laughs> so now we are officially the worst neighbors. That's right. Yeah. No, But it's can... okay. I've Googled a company to come do it. <laughs> no, not, now you can go there with your uh, copy of Wavelength and uh, lure them in the board gaming hobby. Wow, that was smooth, bro. That was smooth. That was smooth. How, how could you be the worst neighbors when they're the ones letting off fireworks? Well, this is Victoria Day. So, I mean, I guess we're not on the same brain brainwave. 
Yeah. We're just we're just the ones that like, Brainwave. <laughs> you had that wavelength opportunity right in front of you. I know I, I tried not to say it. I tried to like <laughs> like say it a different way. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let, let's let's move to the time that uh, Dima was missing from the game night. Wasn't that a great time? We had so, <laughs> so much fun. We, we, had, we just missed time. one missing person sleeping in the background. <laughs> <laughs> okay, jerks, go ahead. Present the game that you played without me. <laughs> While we had a great game night without Dima, we decided it would be an opportune time to try out some of these websites. Epio has been posting so many different sites of online board games, and one of them caught our eye, which was Wavelength. Wavelength is a game that I backed, and I'm still waiting for my copy to arrive, which I don't Seriously? blame How long ago? the developers. I blame the South African Postal Service. <laughs> <laughs> how how so, long ago did you back this? Uh, I, I don't even remember. Like, my credit card statements don't even show when last money was taken off, so... <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's that far back in time. It's a game designed by Alexander Haig, Justin Vickers, and Wolfgang Bosch. We've spoken about it a little bit before on other episodes, so... Not going to spend too long on on that. But we did try the an online interface for it. And it left me quite underwhelmed. I, I like the game. And I like the, the cleverness behind it. But I don't feel it's as rewarding as other party games. I don't know what do you Which guys feel. Which website did you guys use? I've just been thinking about that. And I cannot remember. So I, I really wish you didn't ask that question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was such a bad website that we've forgotten. And like... From here no. to there or something. The website will be in our episode description. <laughs> <laughs> That's, again, more work for me. <laughs> hey, guys, quick break. This is Elias from the Editing Bay. We wanted to make sure you guys knew where to access this app. And so it's called heretothere.app. That's H-E-R-E-T-O-T-H-E-R-E dot A-P-P. Heretothere.app. All right, let's get back to the episode. I, I, I tend to agree with Byron and that it was a very underwhelming experience and I didn't enjoy it at all. Now, I cannot comment on the game Wavelength because I think 90% of the reason I hated it was the interface. Basically, only the clue giver could have the website open because then it showed the... Uh, so they could peek at where the, uh, the the spectrum was going to be. Yeah, it's not a law enforcing uh, website. Exactly. Then they would have to share their screen over Zoom and give the clue, and then we'd make the guess and tell them how to adjust it. Also, the fact that every single time it was someone's turn, they'd be like, okay, so what do I do on my turn? And then we have to explain to them, open the website, click peek, take a look at it, look at your clue. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's- um, It was frustrating. It was very frustrating to try to play online. It was also very frustrating because um, half of or most of the people couldn't uh, follow the our instructions because they were playing the game through their mobile phone. That's true. It didn't work at all on mobile phones. You're right. Yep. Um, but another thing I found, which might be a commentary on the game, and Ipo, you can speak to it because you're the only one here that's played the physical copy. It feels like it's more rewarding for the clue giver than the guesser because... I feel like you can come up with a clever clue, but at the end of the day, as much as the other people can figure you out and understand you, 
it's not like code names where they can make direct correlations and say, oh, Byron would think like that. Yes. No matter how much they know the other person, it's guesswork because there's no actual like physical, like not physical, but absolute understanding of the spectrum. It's all just subjective and gauge. So the spectrum, like what you see as 25% from the left of the spectrum is different from what I would see. So at the end of the day, it's really just kind of guesswork in a lot of the case. So that's how I felt. I don't know if it feels like that in the actual game, but that's how I felt. So if you could speak to that. I have played the, the game four or five times with two different groups, and I had so much fun all of the times that I played the game. Uh, as I said in the, the review, we had uh, uh, some episodes ago, uh, for me, the main uh, uh, beautiful thing about this game is that it every question, every puzzle, it generates a new discussion. And the discussion could be something silly as, uh, seriously, do you think that this is a sweet uh, cereal? Uh, mm. <laughs> to something more important like uh, how important is to the global uh, economy the prime mm. minister of nepal that was funny but but so you're actually saying that that subjectivity is what you liked in the game is yeah. the fact that what is what is 25% from the left from you is not the same as what's 25% from the left from me exactly and that's true but i feel like maybe maybe that would be better if we were all sitting in the same room because as you said we didn't really have a lot of these conversations when yes. they were playing it online. Yes. You're Maybe totally one right. or two. So, yeah. Yeah, on, the online, yeah, online uh, uh, is a conversation killer. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah. So, it seems like uh, we come down on wavelength, great in person, not so good online. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sad I missed this game night. Sounds like it was a lot of fun. Well, <laughs> well you're also talking to the team that so. lost. Because we played... <laughs> okay. we played me, Ipo, and Byron, Team TTS, <laughs> versus uh, another four people, which were Team STD. And um, <laughs> they whooped our ass. So maybe that's part of the reason. No, but even then, like, I, I gave a perfect clue to a perfect situation. And I felt very underwhelmed by, by it. Like, oh, okay, cool, we got it. That's true. You, your Schrodinger clue was on point. Like, uh, it was like the spectrum was from alive, from dead to alive. And he his his he had to get us to point the arrow dead center. So he said Schrodinger's cat, and that was really clever because Schrodinger's cat is both dead and alive at the same time. So he pointed it at dead center. It was a really clever clue. Yeah, so, but dead center is easy. Remember that I had the uh, the puzzle was uh, from something that looks like human to something that doesn't look like human, and uh, my pointer was at sixty percent towards the not looking like human. And my clue was Yoda. Yeah, I didn't like that. What do you think, Dima? Does Yoda look more put, like a human? I would put Yoda like 85, 90% non-human. That's where we hit it. We hit it around 75, 80%. Yeah. And uh, but, and Ipo, Ipo thought we were wrong. Yeah, because I, I thought that 85, 90% is a ping pong ball. <laughs> <laughs> Good that's, point. That's really good, good point. Good. Yeah. <laughs> point taken, guys. Point taken. But I like I would look at the spectrum as uh, things that look like humans and then from most to least. You know what I mean? Uh, you yes. actually took in 
consideration everything. Yeah, which is an interesting conversation yeah. again. Yeah. So, okay, Wavelength, uh, I, I kind of want the game now, the physical copy, <laughs> but I never want to play it online again. There you go. Byron, how do you feel? Are you more excited for your copy or you're kind of deflated on it? I'm less excited for my copy. I, I mean, I'm still going to give it a shot in person and hopefully that writes my concerns. Okay. But in terms of party games out there, it, it doesn't feel as rewarding as, say, Monica's or even Taboo, which is not even that great a game. Like, they feel more rewarding for being smart. Uh, true. But make sure you play it with people that will be willing to have these conversations. It's true. Maybe that might brighten up your experience as per Epo. And that was Wavelength. Online. <laughs> so the other game that uh, we were playing, we are playing online lately a lot, is Clans of Caledonia. Uh, if I had to describe that game with just one sentence, I would say that it's uh, a game that it's like Terra Mystica, and that would be all. And <laughs> indeed, even the, <laughs> indeed, even the designer, I think he admitted that he was inspired by Terra Mystica. And just to describe to people that don't know the game. Uh, the game is a farming game that uh, you can uh, build seven different uh, structures uh, on a board uh, made by hexagons. And every turn you are producing milk, grain, and other stuff. And you have also factories to turn this stuff to cheese and whiskey and processed goods. Goods that can fulfill export contracts. And they can gain for you cotton and tobacco that are victory points. So the whole game is a production game. We're just trying to build a production machine. And the difference from Terra Mystica and the important part that, that uh, gives to the game its own existence, I would say, is the market. In the market, every time you can buy and sell your products and... At the same time, you are manipulating their price. So it's really important if you go first to the market and sell these three pieces of milk in the high price and then the price goes low. So the next player cannot sell at the same price, but maybe another player can buy in a low price. And it has all this little mechanism that makes the game something different, something interesting. Uh, the For me, the other big uh, difference from uh, Terra Mystica is that uh, everything in the game you are buying and selling things uh, by using coins while in Terra Mystica you have uh, money but also you need workers to do things and also uh, sometimes you need priests so three different things in uh, Clans of Caledonia you just need the money again like Terra Mystica uh, there are different factions that do different things but again it the game seems like a terra mystica wannabe i don't know what's your thoughts about this from my side i really like that there's only a single currency so money it because there's a lot you can do in the game with the money so you still have a lot of different options and I think that it just simplifies that aspect because um, there's a lot of upgrading from milk to cheese and um, different things like your wheat and to bread. So you you can do a lot more with like the different factories you build and things like that. But 
the basic currency is just money. So you don't have to focus on getting different things like you were saying about the priests and stuff like that. Um, for me, I didn't play enough with the different character abilities to comment on that. But even in the base game, I really liked how interactive the board was. So that aspect that's similar to Terra Mystica, I really liked it. And I felt like it was a bit more cutthroat than Terra Mystica. I feel like players can block you from... It's a lot easier to cross water in this game. It's cheaper. You just have to spend like four coins or something like that. In Terra Mystica, you need five coins, a priest, So wouldn't Terra Mystica be more cutthroat? I feel like in this game, the other players can expand way faster. But that's what makes it less so, cutthroat. Because you, there's almost no way to block someone in this game. There's a lot more space. There's a ton yeah. more space. That's true. Because it's much easier to upgrade your shipping and it's way easier to expand. So with Terra Mystica, you can easily close somebody off in a corner somewhere. And they'll never connect their two areas and they'll effectively be out of the running for the largest contiguous area. So I don't agree. I think Termiska in that aspect is much more cutthroat. I like that this game is lighter than Termistica. I like that it has a lot of the nice features from Termistica, but it's it's just there's not as much thinking needed on your turn. As Teramiska. Teramiska, I felt like my resources were very limited on each turn. So I really had to calculate what I was putting where on every turn to make sure I was doing um, the scoring on that turn. Um, in this game, I don't know. I didn't feel like the turn scoring was as impactful as endgame scoring. So I didn't really focus on that a lot. And uh, I just felt like... If you invest in money early on, um, in like money factories, money mining, <laughs> um, you have a lot of options on your turn. I don't know. That's how I felt. I have never played the physical copy of the game. Uh, I have only played it in uh, Board Game Arena. And uh, I want to say that uh, there are turns that you have like uh, 80 coins to spend. And there are actions from four coins up to, let's say, 13, 14 coins to spend. So that means that in one turn, you can make like uh, from five to 10 different actions. And the game, I would say it would be too fiddly to change coins all the time, like Monopoly, if you play the physical copy. And uh, in these terms... I would say that Board Game, Board Game Arena helps a lot if you're going to play the game real-time. Of course, on the other side, if you're going to play the game turn-based, it's going to take forever because for one day, you're just going to upgrade something for four coins and then you have 76 more coins to spend in that turn. I think the more I think about it, the less I actually think this game is anything like Terra Mystica. Like, I, I plan on Terra Mystica seven, eight turns ahead so that I know exactly how I'm going to spend it. I'm going to say, okay, when I do this, then I'm going to gain two more workers, and then those two more workers are going to go into that, because that's the only way to play Terra Mystica if you want to do well. Whereas in this game, it's much more like, oh, I guess I could grab some cheese. You can't plan too far ahead, because if you build a factory for cheese and then you're never able to get a contract that requires cheese, you're not going to build your factory for cheese, and you really need to react much more in this game 
Whereas in Terra Mystica, it's much more thinking long-term strategy. Whereas in this game, I feel like you need to pivot very quickly. Um, another thing that, the main thing I didn't like in this game, because I quite liked the game, um, the main thing I didn't like was that small actions like buying or selling on the market cost you a, an action. Like in Terra Mystica, when you're going to do small things like use your magic for something, they're free actions. So you can do these tiny little things and still do something important on your turn. Whereas in this game, you could spend a whole turn just going, well, I sell a cheese for five. And then you just wait. And then when it comes back to you, you're like, now I'm going to buy a, a milk. And then mm -hmm. you just wait. <laughs> and then when it comes back, you're like, okay, now it's my turn. Everyone's like, oh, we've already passed. No one cares. So, um, <laughs> so there's that aspect to it that is worth paying attention to. But it's a very good game. I, I really enjoyed it. I see the relationships of Terra Mystica, but I don't think I would bring them both out on one night and say, which do you prefer? I think there's definitely a group I would bring Terra Mystica out with and another group I'd bring out Clans of Caledonia with. That's my two cents. Clans of Caledonia is like a step between Power Grid and Terra Mystica, if that makes sense. Oh, that was a low hit. <laughs> No, I mean, Power Grid is easy in terms of rules overhead. Then Clans of Caledonia, then Terra Mystic. They're all similar. Yeah, I was going to argue that uh, it's less cutthroat Clans of Caledonia. I love both games. I feel that the design of uh, Terra Mystica is genius, while the design of Clans of Caledonia is just a copy of Terra Mystica with uh, numbers. It's less cutthroat because maybe in uh, Terra Mystica somebody can really block you, while Clans of Caledonia... Instead of uh, paying two to go to a certain hexagon, you now need to pay five. So it's just three coins, just three coins of difference. Didn't we, didn't we just say this? I feel like Ipo's not been listening to us. No, no, no. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm saying that I agree with you. Okay, all right. I just <laughs> I, I felt I felt like you fell asleep, woke no, up, no. and been like, oh, we also need to talk about this. No, and I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just giving an example, and uh, the difference from your opinion is that. I feel that this is too close. I mean, it's far away from Power Grid and it's too close to Terra Mystica for me. The okay. only difference is uh, that now uh, I will pay, okay, I will pay just three coins more. But this small difference, if we are experienced players, that it will make a huge difference in the end, maybe. So I think what we're saying is it's a good game. We all enjoyed it. But if given the option between Clans of Caledonia and Terra Mystica, Dima, what would you pick? If I want to play a light, a lighter version. No, no, you can have one. <laughs> Which one do you want to play? Mm. Which one do you want to own? No, own Terra Mystica. Okay, D uh, Ipo. Which one would you rather own? For sure, Terra Mystica. And if I and want I'm, to, and if I'm I want to introduce one. a game to another player, it should be always first Terra Mystica. But if, okay. but if someone is an experienced gamer and he has played Terra Mystica. I think he will be happy to play Clans of Caledonia. Yeah. So I think we all agree it's a good game. We all had a good time playing it, and we will keep playing it. But if you really must have just one or the other, I think we all put our vote with Terra Mystica on this one. I, I just wanted to say that... Uh, I forgot to say that the, 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 sorry, the designer is Juma Aljuju. Which is worth the box alone. Like... It's worth buying the box just to be like, this game is designed by Juma Al-Juju. <laughs> <laughs> and he designed the game about whiskey, which is nice to have a whiskey and playing the game at the same time. As I did 
Ipo, we get it. You drink once in a while. <laughs> You're such an amazing person. <laughs> so that was the whiskey game. Clans of Caledonia. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ipo. I recently had a trade. It was a very strange experience. Um, it was a uh, trunk trade because of the, you know, Corona thing. So basically the guy was like, I was like, look, let's just, we agreed on BGG. I was like, let's just trade the game once the quarantine's over. And he's like, no, no, how about we do a porch swap? And I'm like, okay, cool. But the problem is we lived on opposite ends of Toronto. So we couldn't exactly use each other's porches. So then he was like, all right, I have an idea. Let's do a trunk swap. I was like, whatever, man. Just tell me what you want and I'll do it. So we went. We met in the parking lot. I opened my trunk, stayed six feet away from the guy. The games were in a bag. He came out in PPE and he grabs, he comes to grab the bag, which is cool. But the idea is supposed to be a trunk swap. But here's the funniest thing. After putting me through all that, he's holding the games and then he tries to hand them to me. And I'm like... Bro, didn't we do all this because you didn't want to hand me the game? <laughs> and uh, we did a trade. And I got two games. We got Black Angel, which we've already played and discussed, but I wanted to own. And we got a lighter game that I've been, I'd had my eye on for a while. And that's a game called Overbooked, which was a Kickstarter a couple of years ago. It's designed by Daryl Chow, published by Random Skill Games in 2018. However... Recently, this last year, 2019, Jumbo Games released a beautiful new edition. That is not the edition I have. <laughs> I have the original, less beautiful version. Um, the blue cover, for those that know the difference. I, I don't care. I think it's lovely, and there's nice wooden pieces to play with. And I don't feel like the game is the same, you know? So let, let me tell you about the game. So the idea is that you have an airline, and uh, you can have... Such original airlines as British Airlines. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like it's like British Air. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's British Airways. British actually. Airways. I apologize. Uh, I I heard you say British Airlines <laughs> with a funny accent. I was thinking, did he say British Airlines? I think it, it's actually literally the same colors. Yeah, as the logo. As the logo of British Air. Anyway, the so good. The point is, you have your own airline. And you basically have in front of you three columns of seats, which are, you know, the three columns of seats, the two on the next, the ones next to the window and the ones in the center. You will be getting passengers, which are groups of people that are booking at the same time. But they book in certain formations, so they select their seats in certain formations. So uh, today, you know, or, or this hour, I got, you know, this kid sitting in this seat, and then I have a... A, a person sitting over here that's part of a football team, and then I have a person <laughs> over here that's a student. You know what I mean? He's part and of then, a football team. Yeah, okay, whatever. You get the point. And then, no, 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 I mean, they, do they have to sit all together? Here's the thing. I'm getting to that. So <laughs> so you're selecting your your tickets from a, from a market row, basically. You can grab the first one for free. There's four available. Or you can pay coupons, which I thought was very thematic. You can pay coupons by putting them on the first. Let's say you want to grab the third card in the market row. You can place one, two coupons, grab the third one. So you're giving people coupons so you can grab the passengers you want to take. So you're rescheduling others, basically. And then you grab those and you put them on your plane. <laughs> Now, if somebody grabs those, offers those people seats, basically takes those uh, passengers from the market row, they get the coupons. 
and the coupons are worth, I think they're called vouchers, actually. They're worth points at the end of the game. So it's like a, it's like a low market system. So you're doing that, and then you take it, and then you, it, it's organized in a specific way. Like, think maybe it's a three-by-three three grid, and then there's only three icons on it in some formation. You must place those in that formation in your airplane. So you're placing those in that formation. Oh, then you take another one, and, and you're basically trying to put them in a really smart way because what you're doing is you're trying to put couples next to each other without any couples near them. You're trying to put children to be completely surrounded by non-children. You're trying to put everyone on the sports team together. You're trying to put everyone on the student um, uh, like uh, trip together or the group of friends together. Um, and there's all sorts of little rules and stuff. So you're trying to build this, but they're not coming on the same card. They're coming on multiple cards. So you're like spatial reasoning and placing groups into and in between each other. But if you ever put someone on top of another space, the one that was previously there gets kicked. They're now overbooked. And that's worth negative points at the end of the game. So you don't want to do that. Yeah, I'm really good at overbooking. <laughs> <laughs> so I really, really, really like this. Like, really like this game. I think it's an excellent spatial puzzle. It's super fast to play. And it makes my head hurt like a motherfucker. Like, it's just, I'm not good with spatial reasoning. Like, <laughs> but for some reason, there's something about that that really gets me. When you play the advanced rules, there's a ton of variability in the game as well. Because you have this pretty big deck of event cards. And every time you play, you're just going to take two out. And that's additional scoring at the end of the game. Are there different airplanes? They're the same, basically. But they just have different icons. At the that's top. the expansion. <laughs> Yeah, why not, actually, yeah. But um, th the nice thing is that there's a basic game and there's the advanced options. We've tried both. We tried the basic game and we've tried playing with all the advanced options. We preferred the advanced options and we, we had a discussion about it, me and Dima, and we decided we could totally introduce this game with all the advanced options in it. It's not too hard to grok at all. But it's nice to know that the basic game is there and the basic game is fun by itself. I so, so want to play this game. It's really good. Is there any company named uh, Atilalia <laughs> or Air Fans? No, no. They're mostly Asian ones because it's, I think, a Singaporean company. So you have like Singa Air. and you <laughs> oh. Yeah. But that would have been so good. Anyway, um, a couple of little things. Cons, but they're not. Okay, the newer version is way prettier than, <laughs> than my version. If you can get the jumbo version, of course, that's the way to go. Another thing is there's a couple of misprints in the rule book, which you can easily figure out. But that doesn't mean that on game three, we didn't make a mistake and accidentally use uh, the wrong icons for things because they swapped out the definitions. The point is there's some mistakes in the rule books. Double check what you're doing before you do it because it's, 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 yeah, there's mistakes. Also, the basic game might get repetitive if you play it a lot because the basic game has basically no randomized no like different scoring it's always the same it's the same thing all the variability in the game comes from the advanced rules so if you're not willing to play the advanced rules the game might be repetitive for you but for me i'm always going to play with the advanced rules and i think i'm really enjoying it we've played a bunch of times already and uh i think we're going to play it a bunch of times more 
I recommend this game if you like spatial reasoning and even just like tile laying games. You're not actually laying tiles, you're laying discs, but it's got that same puzzly element and spatial concepts. You got to think games like Tashkalar, King Domino, Castellian. If you like games like that, you would like this one. And the weirdest thing is the biggest combination I can think of is Tashkalar. That's the one I keep comparing it to, which sounds crazy for anyone who's played Tashkalar, which is a game of area combat. But because in Tashkalar, you're using multiple turns to create patterns that will you use to summon creatures. This game is similar in the sense that you're using multiple turns to create patterns that will score you points at the end of the game. Um, so that's my two cents on Overbooked. I highly recommend it. I think both versions are just lovely, but if you have a choice, grab the new Jumbo Games option. Uh, Dima, you're the only one who's played this. What do you think about Overbooked? I don't think there's anything you haven't said about Overbooked. So honestly, I... Are you trying to say I talk too much? <laughs> I'm trying to say you covered it all. Um, it's it's a super fast game. It's a I would consider it a filler, like... It's it's short, it's fun, but there's a lot of strategy to it and it's very rewarding. So when when you're able to put a couple next to each other or when you're able to surround a child with adults or you're able to put like a huge group of sports players together, it's it's such a good feeling because it's so hard. <laughs> and um it's uh it's really it's a lot of fun. Um it's nice to see, to watch other players try to fit their passengers in. And it's really, I guess, I don't, have you ever overbooked? I've overbooked on one game, but you overbooked more than me. Yeah. But I was, I was thinking it is also, uh, if you're like me and you have trouble with like spatial reasoning, this is one of the few games that makes me AP prone. Yep. Like, <laughs> so I, it's fast for everyone except Elias. Like, Elias takes so long <laughs> on his turn. <laughs> I freeze up. Like, I look at it and I go, I, I don't know how to fit this into the rest of the plane. As you were describing this game, uh, the game that comes to my mind is Quadropolis. Could you? Sure. You, you It's similar to Quadropolis in the sense of you're, you're building things in, based on their approximations. Um, they score different things. The difference is with Quadropolis, you know, it's where you place it is not agonizing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, this game is like, because you can rotate the card however you like. Mm -hmm. So that means there's like four or five options, four options every time. And then multiply that by the number of rows and columns. And you might as well just um, take a vacation. While it looks like they nailed it even thematically. I think they killed it. Yeah. Honestly, I really feel like I'm running the airline and I'm trying to fit these passengers in so that they're happy. <laughs> and uh, it, it's really great. Even in our version, like our edition, it's just like colored tokens. So you have to imagine that the red tokens are couples and the white tokens are children. And, but you, you really do imagine it. Like in your mind, you're visualizing these passengers. So yeah. it's it's really great. Guys, uh, have you ever uh, separated a family? Um, it's not like that, but I have, <laughs> I have um, definitely had children on my airlines that were not surrounded and protected. So they're, they're definitely unprotected children. What do you mean? Alone. Yeah, basically. 
No, that's that's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> I overbooked children. I got the children kicked off the plane and I replaced them with adults. Oh, so, yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's bad, guys. It's a lot of fun. I think you guys would love it. Who doesn't like kicking uh, children out of airplanes? <laughs> <laughs> and that was Overbooked. Highly recommended. Speaking of solving puzzles, we recently played... The Enigma Box. We actually, we've had it for about two years and um, it was a Kickstarter from 2017 on BGG. It's uh, the the designer and publisher aren't credited. So um, they're hiding. (laughs) Oh, we'll let you know if we ever find out who they are. I think they're just called like the Enigma Box Company. Okay. Okay. So maybe it's part of the Enigma. (laughs) (laughs) There were too many things in this game that were part of the Enigma. Let's put it that way. The reason we haven't played it since two years is uh, we couldn't get it shipped to Qatar. So we had it shipped to Dima's brother in Montreal. And due to a bunch of scheduling issues, we just basically never, I I call it scheduling issues. Basically, Dima's brother got a kid, so when we when he would travel to that part of the world, he'd have to bring his child, and there's child's things, so he couldn't bring our <laughs> toy for us. <laughs> and this box is massive, like it's a huge cube. Yeah. So he was so selfish to bring his kids. Seriously, <laughs> I know. Priorities. We finally got around to playing it, and here's the thing: like it was promoted to be the ultimate escape box experience. And for us, it really wasn't. And if you've been listening to the last 23 episodes, um, we play quite a few escape games, like puzzle solving games. And this one just for us, it was a big disappointment. Like the premise is it's it sounds good. Like you're an archaeologist and you're looking for the Arcanum Arcanorum, the secret of secrets. And you solve puzzles uh, to unlock coordinates to the next location. So you start the game in Venice and then you unlock the different countries in Europe that you go to. So honestly, from my side, um, I, I didn't like anything. Um, I know it's a bit harsh, (laughs) but I'll tell you what I didn't like about this game. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever disliked a game experience this much. This game, like the storytelling aspect was very poor. Like at the beginning of every location, there'd be like one page of storytelling. And it would just say like, we arrive to this location, we get off the plane, we go to the hotel, we go to the site. And at the site, they would just list everything that you find like all um like oh, i don't know a list yeah like letters pictures blah blah so they just list everything and then and then you start solving the puzzles with all these things and i just felt like uh, i don't know it w- maybe tell the story between each puzzle or you know what i mean to to give meaning to what you're solving to connect but yeah i just i don't know it was it was strange. And then the puzzles, the puzzles were very simple. Like once we solved them, we didn't feel like they were too mind boggling. But um, no, there was never a high five moment. Wow. We actually no. figured that out. No, 
no. The, 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 the puzzles were relatively like, oh, okay, all right, got it. And sorry, and sometimes it didn't feel like you found a solution. Sometimes it would just be like, we, can't, we arrived at a number. We know the solution is a number. Let's just stop here and use that number. Yeah. It was, it's very strange. That's and how then, it's okay. And then, okay, so when you open the box, there are all these like little pieces everywhere. And then in the middle, there's a stack of books and papers and little cardboard pieces. Dozens. And, and you're just supposed to sort through them. So at the beginning of, so every country you're in, I think you're supposed to go to 10 different locations. So for example, in the beginning, you're in Venice. So Venice has a specific symbol. And then all the material that has that symbol on it is supposed to be used in Venice, okay? And in the beginning of each puzzle, in like the manual, it tells you which items you're supposed to use for this puzzle. So that list wasn't always accurate. And then you'd have to look for the pieces in the box. Some, like you'd feel like looking for the pieces is part of the enigma. Like it just, I felt like, uh, by the time it was time to solve the puzzle, I wasn't even sure if we had all the pieces. And then it's not like you finish one puzzle, you open an envelope to the next section of the game where it tells you, okay, this is what you do next. This is all the pieces involved. You just had to trust that you found all the pieces you needed. And so when we couldn't solve a puzzle, we didn't know if it's because there's something missing or because we sucked <laughs> and we couldn't solve it. Or if it was one of the times there was a glitch in the VR, like, oh yeah, there's a VR set that comes with it. The image didn't match what we were supposed to be looking at. So we didn't understand what to do and we just Googled it. Like we just checked on BGG. What about the other, comp the other components? At least the components should be the best compared to other... Uh... Escape so El Elias can tell you about the components he liked. I was just so exasperated with this game. I I didn't enjoy solving the puzzles because I wasn't sure if I was doing it right or if I had all the pieces. I didn't feel like there was enough guidance. Like, I don't feel like it should be a puzzle to reach the puzzle. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's oh. my experience of the game. I honestly, I wouldn't recommend it as, an escape box but maybe Elias has something positive to say a puzzle inside the puzzle inception <laughs> there's a very good reason Dima is the one talking about this game and not me I could I could rant about this for an hour like you don't understand what I'm experiencing inside right now to control <laughs> myself okay um, I'm gonna try to be civil um, first of all give us the cost Exactly. Okay. First of all, it cost me $200 <laughs> before shipping. So, yeah, so, so people know what we're talking about. It's the most expensive game I've ever bought on Kickstarter. Let me, let me say something. Uh, regarding the components, that's a great question. They're terrible. So the, um, <laughs> the, the paper is cheap. The cardboard punch board tears when you punch stuff out. It's one of those. It's like I bought a game from a cheap company. The miniatures are poor. And like Dima said, it's just all in a pile. It's not even organized in a particular way. There's no envelope system. There's no unlock system. It's just like, here's a pile of shit. And it's not like you have to look through them to figure it out. No, they tell you which ones to use. It's just trying to find it takes like 20 minutes. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, 
you got to figure it out with all these hundred things. No, they tell you which one to use. It's just super hard to find. Okay, calm down. <laughs> wait, wait. Can okay. someone find this game in a retail shop? Or No, I don't think so. No. So, so it was one-off. Their idea was let's get the money and go away. Uh, no, I think they're doing another Kickstarter soon. I think they just canceled one. Like they started one and canceled it. And uh, let, let me tell you, because there's, there's experiences with the makers. I, I've, I've been in touch with them. The other thing is the VR set. Like, I spent almost one hour trying to make the VR set not blurry, okay? With Dima, with me, multiple things, changing, adapting, adjusting, nothing would work. So we put away the VR set and we just used uh, the screen like a 3D image, basically. Whatever, at least there's a way around it. The VR set is extra. I mean, I paid a lot of money, so I expected a VR set that worked properly, but maybe that's just mine, okay? Let me talk about the thing I liked, because it's only one thing. There's a one kind of puzzle in this game, using the miniatures on a map, where you're doing like physical measurements and stuff. So putting one end of this template on this city and the other end on this, and then you put Anubis at a particular spot and you solve a riddle, and then you look through the hole on top of Anubis and that gives you an answer. I liked that. I really liked the miniature puzzles. Basically, they're the ones that are solved with the telegrams for anyone who's played the game. They're super cool. I really like them. And I think the idea of this game is bloody brilliant. And maybe that's why I was so disappointed. VR headset failed. In our third game, the app stopped working, period. And it wasn't like we clicked it open and it said, hey, we're doing updates, which is what it turns out it was. It just gave us an Android error message. Just, just this doesn't work. So we just packed up the game after an hour and a half of, of trying to work on that city. We just had to pack it up because there's no wow. other solution. The unorganization of the box is unbelievable. The, 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 the components suck. And um, all of it put together just means that I didn't like the game at all. And with the app not working, I was like, fuck it. I went on BGG. I put the game up for trade. I rated it a low rating. And I wrote what I thought about the game. I wake up the next morning. And I have a message from the makers of the game. And they're telling me, okay, you're right about the app. We fixed it. We were updating it to be better. And I'm like, all right, cool. I mean, you should have put a message that we're updating it because I genuinely thought the, the app wasn't working and then took it off of my trade list because Dima said if I traded it, it would be like trading it in bad faith if we know the app doesn't work. And she's right. So I literally did that. Okay, I went back to my review. And I changed that. I said, the app has since been fixed. Then they told me that the VR set is perfect. Th those were their words. The <laughs> VR set is perfect. That killed me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys. And they asked me if I took off the plastic thing that's on top of the glass. And that's what was causing my blur. So they called you an idiot. I know they don't know me. I know they don't know me. Yeah. But you guys do. And I'm one of the most tech-savvy people. Like, I'm obsessed with technology. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> and... um. I spent an hour, guys, an hour adjusting it. I, I, I was adapting it, moving it further away from my eyes, and I just could not get it done. And honestly, in a game where they didn't even bother to playtest it or check the spelling or check the words, I can't be sure that they didn't, they didn't check that the plastic ages badly over time. I can't be sure of that because based on what I'm seeing, they don't do their homework, okay? So... Whatever, I upped my rating a little bit because the app was working again. But that means it was a 4 out of 10. And I feel like I'm being generous. 
I, I ended up going on a rant and I apologize. But <laughs> what I will <laughs> no, say I, is I wrote I back it. to him. I wrote back to him and I said, thank you for getting back to me. I appreciate that. Thanks for updating for letting me know the app is working. I can't get the VR headset to work and I'm very experienced with VR. And then I followed it up with, I was really disappointed in your game. And I explained why. I said, all of it can go. I don't care how nice the punch board is. I don't care how nice the paper is. I don't care if things are a little bit off. But what I care about is that you bother to play test it. And I don't believe that anyone bothered to play test it, at least not blind play tests. If the, if the guys who designed the game play tested, they already know stuff, you know? So yeah. it's not a fair thing. I don't believe they did enough playtesting. And what they really had to do that they didn't is get a goddamn developer for the game. So someone could have told them, you cannot charge someone $200 and hand them a stack of 100 sheets of paper and just be like, fucking figure it out. You could have put shit in envelopes. It wouldn't have cost you that much money. You could have done that. <laughs> I paid $200 for a piece of shit. That's my opinion. And um, that's it, honestly. I shouldn't pay $200 for a game that's four out of 10 if I'm being generous. So I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Games look out of my collection. If you're interested in it, I'll trade it to you for like a regular game, even though it costs a fortune. They gave you an interesting experience. Let's put it that way. Oh, man. It was bad. L no, no. They, they gave to you a lifetime experience. Let's put it that way. If you want to know more, because I haven't even touched one-tenth of what I think about this game, email me, and I'll let you know what I think about this goddamn game. Okay, Byron, anything you want to mention in the news lately? Well, I'm going to go off on a different kind of vent and talk about... And that was the Enigma box. So I'm going to talk about deep vents. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry. That was really good. We'll come back to that. We ha we do have to mention something. It looks like they are about to launch a new Kickstarter called the Enigma Experiences. I'm not going to tell you not to do it because there are people in BGG that give this game 10s and 9s, okay? Maybe they're different people than me, or maybe they know the publishers. Or maybe they've got working headsets. The <laughs> maybe, yeah. The point is, um, if you are going to back this, I urge you, back it. Don't, 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 don't not back it, but hold them accountable to the basics, which is... Ask them, how are you going to play test this? Show us your result, like your, your system of play testing. And are you bringing in a developer, an external developer? Because if they bring in those two things, I think they would at least turn the game from unplayable, in my opinion, or unplayable if you want to have a good time, to an, enjoyable, know, experience. an enjoyable experience, which yeah. might have some defects, which I'm okay with. The Banner Saga is... You cannot understand how to play it if you read the rule book. The rule book <laughs> has nothing to do with the game. It's like somebody else wrote the rule book, but I keep it because at the end of the day, I enjoy having playing it. This game, I do not enjoy playing it. I did not enjoy going through the rule book, and I did not enjoy trying. The fact that, one last thing, sorry, <laughs> that you can take a fucking, like if I'm playing an escape room, usually, and something doesn't fit in with my thinking, I say, oh, my thinking is wrong. I need to fix it. With this game, when I see something that doesn't fit in, I say, oh, the publishers made a mistake. And I'm usually right nine out of ten times. <laughs> That's not good, guys. That's not, this is not a $20 game. This is $200. Okay, let's go to an even deeper event. Go ahead, Byron. I think this is a mystical event because you didn't wait for me to play this game. This is something <laughs> coming from above. <laughs>
guys, after Ellis's long, long vent there, I don't think my deep vent could be any deeper. But <laughs> I'm going to try and talk about the board game Deep Vents by Red Raven Games. Now, this is a, a new, brand, brand new game, not yet released. Should be releasing sometime around August 2020. And it looks quite interesting. It's set under the ocean at the deep, deep, deep vents. <laughs> and I'm not going to say deep vent anymore in case I might trigger someone. But <laughs> you have to try and grow your, your sort of um, microbes. And the key word that's really got me interested in this game is when you place your tiles, it triggers effects. And I'm all for games which have triggered effects. Word for word, they say you can choose the order in which your triggers occur. And I like that. That brings out a sort of combo sort of system in me. And I like combos. The only combo I like is the Big Mac combo. Are there many games with trigger effects? Like the only one I can think of is Deus that I've played, but it's more of a card. No, there's there's tons of games. Terraforming Mars, Imperial Set. Any engine building game has events that get triggered. I really like, I'm very interested in trying that aspect of the game. It looks really nice. I like that feature. Plus, I tend to like the small games made by Red Raven a lot, like 8-Minute Empire was good, and um, uh, Dima Artifacts Incorporated, Artifacts Inc. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, such a nice it's, it's game. It's the same guys, and if it's the same box size and it's easy to transport and it's got uh, some depth to the game, yeah, count us in. I want to be honest. Okay, the art is uh, great. It looks amazing. But I was off just seeing that it's another game with hexagons. Uh, that's on me, I guess. But that's a hundred percent on you. That's but so 100%. weird because you weird just presented complaint. clans of Caledonia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys. But we don't. Come on. I mean, I'm. I'm. Would you prefer would to like have some futuristic neoprene mats? <laughs> that's I not futuristic. Like to... That that that's uh, according to Ipo. That's um, the future is cardboard. Uh, are we, well, are we like, we're is, referencing episode one <laughs> now I'm referencing the episode we were talking about sustainability <laughs> so I don't know about neoprene if we can it's sustainable it's definitely not going to be neoprene and I think if you have a problem with hexagons maybe stop playing board games yes agreed <laughs> no I, I have, I'm having a problem making new games with hexagons in 2020 I think that you, you know the issue is that Tiles are the same. You would have complained about square tiles. <laughs> the problem with other shapes, like, say, a pentagon, is you're going to end up needing another shape to fill in the space between the pentagons, probably a diamond. Yeah, it's not symmetrical. Exactly. So hexagons fit together so well, which is why, you know. Exactly. But you're an engineer, so guys, you can uh, figure uh, it out. You need to understand the problem is not exactly the hexagons. The problem is that I'm, I'm trying to see something new out there. And the first impression is that it's one of the same. It's a, a game with hexagons that you just uh, need to make an engine and uh, try new combos. And there are like 100 of these games. Okay, but I feel like you can you can compliment a game for being original, but you cannot comp- you cannot criticize a game you have not yet tried for not being original. Like true, true, try true. the game and then see if there's any experience. But I can look at a game and say, wow, look, it looks original. But to say it has hexagons and engine building and triggering, therefore it's not original. That's, it's not fair. And, and games don't have to be original to be good. 
I understand that it's not fair, but again, this is a Kickstarter, right? This is coming from the guy that loves 18xx games, <laughs> which are all variations of the same yeah, game. Yeah, they're not selling you something new. They're, they're literally saying, all okay, just 1828. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're just telling you that it's exactly the same game with a new map. Okay, this guy didn't tell you it's a new game. There's nowhere that he writes an original new experience, like the Enigma box. <laughs> this guy wants my money in a Kickstarter campaign. So that uh, puts me off. That's what I'm saying. Well, it's not really a Kickstarter campaign. It's pre He's selling pre-orders on his website from May, and it's going to have oh. a full release in August. So there's no actual Kickstarter. You've been factified. Oh. Teaches you for fucking trying to make judgments before you know the facts, Ipo. <laughs> but it's the same thing. He, he wants me to pay to give him money in order it, to... He wants to give him money because, because he's an amazing designer <laughs> and he's got an amazing track record. This is the guy that did City of Iron. Um, uh, above and, and below, below, near, near and, and far. Yeah. He did um, uh, uh, all sorts of things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I remember I, I didn't like City of Iron, but I, I have never played... Uh, what? We, I love City of Iron. Anyways, I love City of Iron. That's far not the below. topic for today. I was bummed that uh, Byron, I think Byron bought it from me. Yeah, I did. I, shouldn't have, I should never have sold it. <laughs> I agree. It was a great game. We like Red Raven here, other than Ipo, clearly. So Ryan Lockett, you do what you do. I've even okay, referred then... to Ryan Lockett as the Ed Sheeran of board games. So, <laughs> <laughs> and the tweet got liked by his wife. So, so I wish to all of you the best of luck. Go to the abyss to play deep events. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to try to lift the mood out of the deep vents, out of Elias's vents. And into uh, the positive era of the game show of the week, baby! Konnichiwa! Do you know this board game rule? Will you? If I give you one word in two Welcome to the game show of the week Is this not the voice you expected to hear? My name is Dima (laughs) (laughs) Guys, to tell you the truth um, Dima started a new job this week And because of that she felt like she was better than us and didn't prepare a game show of the week. <laughs> I can't blame her. She was nice. overwhelmed. So so yesterday she tells me, oh, I haven't prepared a game show of the week yet. So I took it upon myself to do it because that's the kind of guy I am. Wow. The kind of guy <laughs> who loves the sound of his guy. own voice. <laughs> so much so, so that the he truth- has two podcasts and a narrating gig. <laughs> <laughs> so because... Uh, I had to come up with a completely original one and I only had uh, a couple of hours to do so. I stole the idea from a podcast that I absolutely love. This game is broken. Guys, if your favorite thing about Tabletop Sessions is the game show of the week, go watch This Game is Broken. I'm sure you already know about it. It's, it's much bigger than us. But basically their entire podcast is the game show of the week every week. And they're wonderful. Great characters. You got, you know, you got Brothers Murph. You got the, you got Dave Luza. You got that uh, British guy. <laughs> uh, if you so, if you get a British guy, I will go. To that. 
It's a great show. Go check it out. It's really good. And I really recommend them. So I've, I've kind of stolen their idea. So not kind of, I've 100% stolen their idea. So just know that this is not my or our original idea. We've taken it from them and we will link to their episodes or their podcasts in the episode description and give them full credit. So sorry, guys. I hope you're okay with me temporarily borrowing this. I didn't take any of your questions, just the main idea. And so welcome to the Game Show of the Week, which is called One Word in Two. The rules are, I've taken rules from games that you know, and I've specifically picked games that each of you know quite well. And I've taken rules directly out of the rule book. I then removed every second word. <laughs> so I will read you the modified rule. If you guess the game, you get two points. If you cannot, or you make a mistake, I'll read you the full rule without any of the rules taken out, words taken out. And if you guess that, you get one point instead. Total three questions each. Is that cool? That cool. sounds amazing. Cool. Yeah. Dima, we'll be starting with you. I guess I'm starting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't ask. I already decided yesterday. So, okay. your, so your rule is the for you received income now delivered a along railroad. Crest each show's city that to breeding. Higher total value, farther the you deliver. What? I can repeat it if you'd like. Okay, repeat it one more time and then I'll guess. The for you received income now, delivered a along railroad. Crest each show's city that to breeding. Higher total value, farther the you deliver. <laughs> Okay, Ooh. so something about delivering goods farther along the railroad. I'll get more income. Okay, could that be uh, Irish Gage? You are wrong. So Damn I will it. read you the full one for a chance at one point. The cattle for which you just received oh, your income must now be <laughs> delivered to a guess. city along the railroad. The crest oh. of each city shows a city value that corresponds to that cattle's total breeding value. The higher the total breeding value, the farther up the railroad you can deliver. I can't remember the name of the game. Oh my God. Can I guess it's Ricardo's game, that one. The no, cat. you can't steal the point. Can, can okay. I say for a point? No. Dima, three seconds to guess. One. No, I can't remember the name of the game. Oh, that's wrong, yeah. unfortunately. Guys, you want to say it together? In three, two, one. Great, Great Western Trail. Trail. <laughs> So Dima, unfortunately, gets zero points oh. for the first one. Guys, it was so funny. Stuff. I was trying to connect breeding with railways. And I was thinking, No, I had it straight away. As soon as it said breeding. you can breed uh, and rail, I was like, okay, it's great Western trail. All right, Byron, you're up next. Oh, yeah. And here is your modified rule. Count successes as gold. May combine half unrevealed as as... There are the way. Order, construct gold. <laughs> would you That's like fine. me to repeat it? <laughs> I would like you to repeat it. Count successes as gold. May combine half unrevealed. As as there are the way. Order, construct gold. When you say ass ass, you mean as as? Yeah, A S A S. I just thought it'd be funnier if I said ass. So it's probably like <laughs> as soon as or something like that. 
You can go for the full rule, Byron. There's yeah. no shame. Yeah. I want to say it's a space game. Okay. And I want to say it's on the tip of my tongue. What do you think are the important words? Constructing gold. Constructing gold. But there's so many games with constructing gold. And Byron, I'm going to give you so five I'm, I'm going to say uh, Twilight Imperium. No, you're wrong. Here's uh. the full one. Count the successes represented as full gold stars. You may freely combine any half stars visible on the revealed cards as long as both their cards are facing the same way in order to construct full gold stars. Oh, I would never guess it. Byron. This is Seventh Continent. Correct. Yeah. That's one point. Yeah. Woohoo. Yeah. I would right. never guess that. <laughs> All right, Ipo, are you ready for yours? Of course I'm not. <laughs> Here we go. If action required, discover two mutations. Player discard needed from hand. Even it there. <laughs> Is that the end? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one, one, I, I love hearing you. <laughs> just just uh, okay. uh, tell me again, again. If action required, discover two mutations. Player discard needed from hand, even it there. <laughs> okay, so we, we, we want a game with cards and mutations. Cards and... I have a guess, but... Terraforming Mars. No, here is your complete rule. If no action is required to discover a cure due to positive mutations, uh -huh. then a player may discard the needed cards from their hand immediately, even Pandemic. if it isn't their turn. And that is correct. One point. <laughs> that, that wasn't my guess. Oh, my guess was days. the same as Ippo's. Okay, now we go back to Dima. Hi, Dima. Hi. You ready, Boo? Yeah. All right. Additionally, may a slash tunnel tile two empty spaces your board. You must with system. You place, open parentheses, or close parentheses, to already mountain. <laughs> Okay, so there are mountains and tunnels. Can you go one more time? Additionally, may a slash tunnel tile two empty spaces your board. New must with system, you place, open parentheses, or, close parentheses, to already mountain. <laughs> <laughs> tunnels and mountains, what's I, that? I, I, um, I have an idea. Would you like the full sentence? Um. Yeah, I'm just, I'll... I'll Shall I just guess an AT and XX game? That is wrong. Okay. So, additionally, <laughs> you may place a cavern slash tunnel twin tile on two adjacent empty mountain spaces on your home board. The new tile must connect with your cave system, i.e., you must place it horizontally or vertically adjacent to an already occupied mountain space. Caverna? Correct! <gasps> <laughs> uh, all right byron are you ready for your turn i'm born ready choose single in reserve pay equal that strength that from reserve place into empty in outer if figure a it be in fjord cannot this to a directly in to your in yule to them note invading your does cost any scythe wrong Here's the full amount. Choose a single figure in your reserve and play rage equal to that figure's strength. 
Take that figure from your reserve and place it into empty, em, any empty village in any outer province. If the chosen figure is a ship, it must be placed in any fjord. You cannot use this action to place a figure directly in Yggdrasil. To put your troops in Yggdrasil, you have to march... The yes. <laughs> as soon as he said rage. <laughs> he said rage and he said cavern. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Each secretly a from hand. Both have their, they there to other. These are headline and events. Place this and the title and are from game. Oh. Twilight struggle. Yeah. What? <laughs> headline events. Yeah. Oh my God. The full rule was, each player secretly selects a card from their hand. When both players have made their choice, they reveal their cards to each other simultaneously. These cards are called headline cards, and their events take place in this phase. And if the event title has an asterisk, are removed from the game normally. Congratulations, Ipo and the so lead happy. after I'm round so two. Wow. Three points to Ipo, two to Byron, and one to Dima. Explaining finally, once and for all, why she is the host <laughs> of Game Show of the Week. <laughs> Oh, I'm in a jerkish mood today. All right, Dima, are you ready? Yeah. It's short, this one. Okay. If experiment, not a or least a conflict, lose point reputation, wasting scientific time. Okay, so it's experiment dun, 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 scientific. Dun, dun. If you want me to repeat it, I can. Okay, repeat it one more time. If experiment, not a or least a conflict, Lose point reputation, wasting scientific time. Alchemist? Yeah! <laughs> Two yeah. points for Dima. She's at three. Uh, an impressive comeback. It in just the reminded end. me of when I said, remember when I presented Alchemist and I said, coming from a scientific background? Yeah. <laughs> when she was reviewing Alchemist, she goes, coming from a scientific background. <laughs> One of the highlights of this podcast. Byron, are you ready? Ready. Once fleet traveled least distance, player, revealed players, dealt card the of loyalty. If player AR card, he immediately and it. <laughs> I love when sentences just play, end like that. Say, play that again. Play it? <laughs> okay, I'll, well, I'll just hit play real quick. <laughs> Once fleet traveled least distance, player, revealed players, Dealt card the of loyalty. If player a R card, he immediately and it. <laughs> you should okay, know. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to try Twilight Imperium. No! Well, I was going to say Twilight Imperium. Okay. I'm going to read it to you. Once the fleet has traveled at least four distance, each player, including revealed Cylon players, uh, has dealt one card from the top uh, of the loyalty deck. I thought space and... Um, loyalty. Oh, so you got it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got it for one point, so that's good. Well, well I'm not lost. You're in third. You have the same points as Dima. Ipo's gonna and, get nothing. And now. Ipo, if Ipo gets zero, it's a three-way tie. Three-way tie. I can do it. You can do Ipo, it for us, Ipo. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. For the last question, take Scholar from game, and it your followers. The one on scholars and the number development. For development, you during game. You're one on development. 
What the fuck? It's a game about <laughs> development for sure. <laughs> Shall I repeat it? Yeah, please. Take Scholar from game and it your followers. The one on Scholars and the number development. For development, you during game. You're one on development. Scholar follow developments. I have no idea. Uh, let's say it all for the galaxy. Wrong. Here is the full amount. Take a scholar tile from the game board and put it into your followers bag. Then advance one space on the scholars track and receive the depicted number of development points. For each development point you receive during the game, advance your marker one space on the development track. Um, 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 What's I that? I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows. Have a three-way tie. Oh, shit. I don't know, guys. Mombasa. Oh, no. It's Orléans. And we have... Oh, it's Orléans. With Dima. With the comeback at three What's... points. What's Byron. The consistency. At three points. And Ipo, the disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have a tiebreaker. But it was not built for three people, so we're going to do our best here. <laughs> Dima rarely gets to be in Game Show of the Week. So, Dima, you have to pick if you're going to go first or last. <laughs> last. Okay, so we'll keep Byron in the middle, which means Ipo goes first. You have to fill in the blank of this rule. The closest to the right answer without going over, it is a number, wins. And you cannot pick the same as the person going before you. This is from Roll for the Galaxy. Ipo. Each player takes dice. A. Put blank home dice in your cup. I think two. Byron. Three. Dima. Four. <laughs> well, that was exciting. And the winner with three is Byron. <laughs> oh, yeah. I said I was going to win this one. You did say you were going to win. Congratulations. Good job. <laughs> well deserved. Because you were consistent. Yeah. I was consistent. That was the game show of the week, folks. One word into. Oh. And uh, this is a long episode because of my yelling. And <laughs> <laughs> this was ex uh, an exciting episode. It was. That it was, was super fun. Sorry, I was a little bit scared. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you overdosed on me, but the good news is uh, we got your favorite song playing in the background right now. <laughs> oh, I can hear it. Hey guys, it's time for the Hippocratic Corner! Yeah! Boop, boop, boop. Yeah. Welcome back to another Hippocratic Corner! And welcome back to our favorite top threes. So for this week... It's been yeah. a while. Yeah, huh? we haven't... It's been a minute. It's been a long time. For this week, guys, we need your top three of your best games of the 20th century. The funniest part of the 20th century is that it actually starts in 1901 and <laughs> <laughs> it ends in the year 2000, but in the end of year 2000. It's interesting. very interesting because, you know, my favorite games are all, everyone knows are from 1900. So Ipo basically eliminated those. In his 
He could he, he could have said favorite games of the 1900s, but he knew all my favorite games came from 1900. So he picked the word 20th century just to fuck me over. Yeah. <laughs> Classic Ippo. <laughs> so guys, who wants to go first? I'd like to go first. Yes, please, Byron. Damn so, it, he's going to have all the same games as me. Ha, except I don't think I am. Oh. Ippo gave us this 20th century nonsense, so I try to make my own rules for that. And <laughs> when you look at the Roman numerals for 1900, that's MCM. Coincidentally, those are the titles of my games. I've got a game that's an M, a C, and an M. Coming applause, off in applause, guys. Well applause. done. Very creative. <laughs> Coming off in number three. It's a game I hate, but it deserves a spot just purely based on numbers. And that's Monopoly. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I love the double entendre, just purely based on numbers, which he could mean sales, but he could also mean based on the fact that I randomly decided to do this based on Roman numerals. <laughs> Enchanté. <laughs> okay. Enchanté. <laughs> okay, Monopoly. Monopoly, if you speak to any non-board gamer, it's the one board game they played. You can speak to your boss, your coworkers, you're like, oh, you play board games, you must play Monopoly, right? There's no way no one in the world knows what Monopoly is. So, guys, we'll be holding auditions for the fourth host of <laughs> Tabletop Session. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that an exciting choice move on Byron but move it, fit on. It, in, it, it fit within my parameters of MCM <laughs> number, I'm really glad you didn't put it as your number one M though so yeah it's not my number one M my number two <laughs> no before saying that I, I, I would like to say that uh, I feel that there are there are a lot of listeners waiting to hear uh, Byron's top three and learning about these games that <laughs> <laughs> that they might not have heard of before. Yeah, or they wouldn't consider playing. My number three is a game beginning with the letter C, and it is weighted one point nine two on Board Game Geek. That game, of course, is Carcassonne. All right. Yeah. Okay. Published in the year nice. two thousand, it just falls within the rules. <laughs> it's one of the most recognizable tile lane games the rules are pretty simple and not complex and pretty much you can teach it to anyone correct don't try and teach them the math though because that that's when it takes it to a new level <laughs> my number one m though is a game developed in 1993 by a designer that also designed king of tokyo that would be magic the gathering Oh, nice. Whoa, oh, nice. Yes, yes. It's the most popular card game in the world, and that's all I can really say on it. That's, uh, that was a great MCM from Byron. <laughs> <laughs> so who else has a clever idea of uh, defining the top three games of the 20th century? I can't even follow that. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go, Dima. Well, I'm sure okay. you can beat Monopoly. So my number three is Lost Cities. I love that game. It's so easy to play. I never win, but it's a lot of fun. And it's um, it's a nice two-player card game. Uh, Dima, I want to say that uh, during, the, during the lockdown, 
I have played like 200 games real time of Lost Cities in Board Game Arena. And? And I noticed that uh, since I'm playing the, you know, the competitive uh, version of the game. Yeah. That the best player out there has a record of 60% wins only. Oh, so it is luck based. There's so much luck in this game. Yes, thank you, Ipo. So Elias beat me 98% <laughs> of the time. Because of luck. <laughs> no, 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 Okay, my number two is Bonanza! Yeah, I love that game. No one ever wants to play it. I haven't been able to get it to the I table play it all the time. in four years. I think that was one of the worst trades ever when you convinced me to trade our copy of Sushi Go for most copy of Bonanza. No way, Bonanza is so much more fun. No way. Like you're Sushi just like, yeah, I need that, I need that card. Blah, blah, Sushi Go is a like better game. At each other. Sushi Go is superior in every Ugh. way. But Bonanza is Bonanza. Boring. <laughs> Bonanza Although I think we can all agree fun. it's Uwe Rosenberg's finest work. Uh, the guy who designed <laughs> Agricola and Caverna. And <laughs> Anyways, that's my number two. And my number one is Tigris and Euphrates. That's pretty amazing oh. that you have two Kinitsia games, two Reiner Kinitsia games mm. on your list. Yeah. So I think we can say that Dima's favorite designer of the 20th century. <laughs> you could have even put Medici in there. Reiner Kinitsia. Yeah, and then you could have had all oh, I haven't played Medici. I loved Medici. Played it with Byron. Medici almost made my list. It was top five. Yeah, so. it, it, it just lost out of Monopoly for me. <laughs> I can't believe you put Monopoly over Medici. Oh my God. Monopoly looks better I'm than so Medici. Angry. You're out. You're out. Oh my God. I just realized you could have used Medici. Byron has yeah, left the room. It's from him. <laughs> him Byron. Okay, guys, I'm, I'm going to go third because I'm very excited to listen to Elias's picks. You really shouldn't be. <laughs> really? I think yours will be the most different, Ipo. No, no, go for uh, yours. Go for yours. I think. I, wait, can, like, I, can I guess yours? Yes. All right. I'm Elias's guessing in, in some orders that there's going to be civilization. There's going to be... Advanced civilization. Uh, no. <laughs> there's going to be Dimacher and... Junta. Okay. So I have like five guys. Junta, but then there's also Bridge, which is his favorite game ever. So Oof. then there's that. And then there's also, you know, 1828. So It was just three. Yeah. So I would guess if I could pick three, I'd say Bridge, Civilization, and Dimacher. But go ahead, uh, Ipa. Okay. So I'm going to say that uh, Bridge is not uh, from 20th century, so... Oh, you're right. <laughs> it's okay. not qualified. <laughs> Wait, which century is it from? I guess it's 19th century. They were playing Whist wow. and uh, it turns into Bridge. Uh, you are wrong. Bridge is 1908. Ooh. Oh! Just eight so years you after your to... favorite game, Elias. <laughs> do you need to change your list, Ipo? <laughs> Uh, no, I think I'm good because my number three game is Dimaha. Ah, all right, I got one. <laughs> made, made in 1986 by Karl-Heinz And Karl-Heinz Miel in 1986 reminds me of... Did you guys feel like he, needed, he wanted us to react when he said that name? Because he like Karl paused and we were like, <laughs> so oh, well. Karl-Heinz yeah, sure. Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, <laughs> 1986. No, it's Karl-Heinz 
the great it's a great euro game for five players played in four hours okay uh the game is the my the first probably euro that uh i bought it's about elections so you're just uh, representing a party it was recommended for spill desires in 1998 together with tigris and euphrates oh wow and oh. the winner and the winner at that uh, year was elfenland oh by alan. no <laughs> by alan moon the by guy had a ticket to ride oh my god and i was they really got it wrong <laughs> My second uh, best game is Hunda. Oh my 19... god. Yeah, you nailed it. 1978. <laughs> uh, Number one <in> civilization. <laughs> pub published by West End Games. Uh, played with six people over four hours. <laughs> okay, for is I'm starting to hear a trend. Nobody ever wanted to play with you again it, after the it, first time. It's his time. fault. He brought it to yes. our game night and he gave us his own rules of Junta because he believed himself <laughs> to be a better designer than the original. <laughs> and it was so bad that no, everyone has refused to play the game since then. <laughs> it was a bad, yeah, it was That's my bad. That's a great story. It, it was my bad because I wanted to. Okay, the game is you're the president <laughs> in a banana in a banana republic and your goal uh, According to Storysmith, we take offense to that. We call it the papaya regime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, you are part of this corrupted elite and uh, the winner of the game is the player with the most money in a Swiss bank account in the end of the game. That's a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> so the theme is amazing. There's so much backstabbing because the rest of the players are your fellow ministers and you are giving them money to side with you. And it this game created two of my most memorable game nights in my life. We were playing it like seven players and it was so much fun that I will never uh, forget it. The problem with this game is that it takes for, forever and even more than four hours because whenever there is a coup in the game, there is a mini game uh, that is like risk that you need to that you need to play to see if the coup succeeds or not. And you're moving your miniatures in uh, on the map and you're rolling dice and I I can't even yeah, imagine it, what a mini yeah. game of risk looks like. <laughs> I mean exactly exactly so I, w I wanted to remove this part. The trick is it's like you have to go in Australia and then build up and build up and build up and that's how you win the game. <laughs> It is like that. What, what can I say? But still, I love it. And my favorite game from this century is uh, Civilization, and I would say Advanced Civilization from 1991. I'm uh, so the surprised. Ga the game was <laughs> made by Francis Tresham. Is uh, a seven-player, six-hours game. Do you see any pattern here? Look. People had a lot of time in back in uh, the 20th century. <laughs> and uh, all I have to say is that it's the base, it was the base for the computer game that, that is so famous. And it was the, my first no dice game that I ever played in my life. And also it was the longest game that I ever played in my life. We played it seven players uh, when I was in university. 
uh, in 12 hours from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So that was my exciting top three and fascinating and su surprising. Hey guys, Elias again from the editing room. Um, some point during Epo's top three, my mic completely crapped out and just started making this popping noise. So my entire top three from this point on is basically useless. So th there'll be a lot of skips and jumps. I'll try to just put in the basics in there just to salvage what I can. Uh, I apologize for that, but maybe it was for the best because it ended up with a shorter podcast. A very long recording episode. All right, guys, back to this. My number three is Teach You. Um, which is a ladder climbing game, which is very similar to a trick-taking game, but there's like four special cards in it. You play with partners. It's a great game to play with family, with friends, on a night with drinks. I, I really think there's a ton of strategy. People go their entire lives, well, maybe not their entire lives, but they go a long period of time without really ever getting that good at that game. And really, it's a great game. It's a classic, I think. And it feels like one of those that uh, will be around for a long time. Dima, you've played Tichu, right? Yeah, I did. I like card games in general, but um, it's a team game, which was a lot of fun. My number two game from the 20th century is Dune uh, by the Avalon Hill version from 1979. I actually have that copy and I've never played the reprint. So I guess this is very much 20th century. Um, it, it's a great game. I mean, it's it sort of, it, it's, it's an area combat over Arrakis and controlling the planet Dune. But at its heart, it's more of a uh, social negotiation game and, and partnerships and betrayals. And that's really what Dune is about. Um, plans within plans within plans. So if you're a big fan of the Dune series, this is everything. It has sandworms and spice and Benny Gesserit and predictions and betrayal and Harkonnens and Mentats and everything that you, you, you could want. And um, I really enjoy it. I believe you've all played this game. What do you guys think? I left it for you, Elias. It was a great game. I want to say that I feel right now I prefer uh, Dune over Twilight Imperium. And my number one game is actually the first crossover on our lists. It's uh, also, Dima mentioned it, and it's also been, Ipo mentioned it in passing, although it wasn't on his list, and that's Tigris and Euphrates by Rainer Knizia. Fighting for dominance in battle within Mesopotamia, and um, you know, also, I, I'm, oh, who am I kidding? There's, there's no, there's, there's no actual theme. <laughs> I'm just, mess, I mean, you're just, you're just playing tiles on a board. Yet. But as far as that goes, it's fantastic. It's simple enough. A couple pages of rules that um, you could teach a first timer who's, who's who's played like Katana and Ticket to Ride. You could probably teach them Tigris and Euphrates. But after playing it dozens of times, I still feel like there's a lot to learn in terms of strategy and timing. It's all about timing. It's all about when am I going to go and, and trigger that revolt or when am I going to join these two empires together and win in a war. And and that's what this whole game is about. And I really think it's a masterful piece of work. Tigris and Euphrates is my number one game from the 20th century. Great choices and great choices of all of you. Uh, if I had to exclude something, I would say was the uh, number three of uh, Byron, but otherwise... <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> Especially for the Tigers and Euphrates, I, I tend to say that the guy made a, a, a modern classic, I believe, with this, with this game. I mean, the, 
so amazing and abstract. Although only Ipo would call a game from 1997 modern. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can compare it to chess. I was 10 years old, Ipo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was uh, the top three of best games, of our best games of the 20th century. So I just wanted to say, yeah, I was saying before that uh, uh, to our listeners that I would like them to let us know their top three games from the 20th century on our Twitter account at TT Sessions QA or over at our BGG Guild, which is so excited, uh, exciting right now. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, both these links will be in the episode description. Thank you very much, uh, Hippocrates Gnostopulos, for that wonderful Hippocratic <laughs> Corner. So that brings us to the end of this tabletop session. Thank you so much for listening. Please check out our very active Instagram account at Tabletop Sessions. You can reach us through Twitter at TT Sessions QA or join the conversation over at our Board Game Geek Guild. And you can find the link to all of these in the episode description. Please take the time to rate us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or rate us through your Android podcast app of choice. That really helps us guys and it's really the best way to support the podcast other than just sharing and listening. We'll be back in three weeks. And until then, to quote one of my favorite writers, uh, who, who's, who's Jack Bauer again? Say bye, guys. Bye, guys. See you at the showdown. Bye, guys. Jack Bauer. Bye, guys. And try and watch 24 like me. Tabletop, 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 top. Table, tabletop, table, tabletop, table, tabletop. Da. Session.